All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya Georgetown basketball podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft, and joined again, I have legendary voice of the Hoyas, Hoyas win, Rich Shvatkin. Rich, what's up? Hi, Bobby. How are you? Uh, you know, we were just talking moments ago, but this is the weekend for the Kenner League. Oh, yeah. You know, whoever, you know, and uh, we'd get there the first game, the schedule would come out, and, and we'd be set for the next four weeks. So, you know, get all your yard work done. Get it whatever you need to do because you know the next four weekends you were going to be committed to you know to watching uh, hoops. It would have been great. I, I was really uh, you know when you mentioned that to me, it really uh, it really saddened me that this is the first year I think since '92 that they have not had that. Yeah, it's well. Take it back a second. You just mentioned yard work. It's funny yeah. you say that because I'm over in North Virginia. Um, mm-hmm. I have a yard. I don't have the biggest yard in the county, but I have a yard. I have yard work to do. And between working Nats games and the family and the yard work, there is a lot to get accomplished before you can get down, at least for me, to Kenner League. But if you thread everything just right, you can find a way where we can be down there. Always starts 4th of July weekend. I know I would be linking up with you, and it would just be like, you know what? basketball season is with is within arm's reach i always say that the longest part of the off season is from that last game to the start of kenner league because once you get to kenner yeah. league then you get a chance and particularly this year well you know tyler beard obviously is not coming in now but you have a chance to look at five freshmen and they're all from out okay. of the area so we have no idea what these guys are like yeah exactly yeah that that, that was kind of the way they they showcase their talents and, and gave you a lot of you know, bulletin board stuff for the um, for the next three months, exactly, and, until practice started and then the start of the season. Yeah, it's, it's really a shame, you know, that uh, I, I don't think people, you know, the Kenner League, people talk about you know, no baseball, no, no, no NBA until, you know, another month or so, but, but the Kenner League was kind of a staple for, for the summer, you know, even though there were AAU games and all that stuff, that people really, I think if you took a poll, they'd say they're going to miss the Kenner League as opposed to Nationals baseball, you know, if you're a Georgetown fan. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you said going back to 92, you've obviously yeah. been calling games since 74, 75. What was sort of the pre-Kenner League? What what was there, basically? Well, they had the uh, the, the Goodman League in, in, in D.C. Okay. And, uh, but, the, but the Kenner League, when it started, it was really, uh, it was kind of to showcase Georgetown's talents, to be very honest with you. That's why they played it at McDonough. There, yeah. there wasn't much before then, Bobby. I remember, you know, basically from 74 till, um, till the late 80s, early 90s, there really wasn't a summer league. And, you know, they, they did have some summer games. You know, the, uh, they used to use some of the playgrounds. And, and I think the Goodman League was pretty good. But, uh, but, but it wasn't showcasing the Georgetown freshmen. You know, when it became the Kenner League, and I remember one of the first Kenner League games I saw, you know, in fact, I don't think it was called the Kenner League before, but, but Ewing... And, and that group um, played against the, the, the Bullets. And, and, and John Thompson stopped that. In the other bullets? words, there was so much. Well, the, 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 the Georgetown freshmen, okay. Patrick Ewing, and that group was supposed to play against a group of the Bullets in, in, in one, of the, one of these summer league games. And John said, no, I'm not going to subject my kids to the pressure of freshmen coming in in, in, in college playing against the, the pro teams. And, and, and he basically nixed that, that, uh, that, that kind of scenario. And, and you can understand why. You know, he kind of wanted to you know, protect his kids just getting acclimated to, to college life. He didn't want to get these kids, 
you know, playing against pros right away. Yeah, playing against grown right men. Thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think you did the right thing. Exactly. Yeah, but the, 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 I remember that vividly. That that had to be well, Ewing eighty one, eighty two. So you're 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 talking that that that's forty years ago. Sure. I don't know how many people remember that, but I do remember it. That that they, they were supposed to play against the you know the the Washington Bullets, and they said no, they, we're not going to allow that to happen. You know, and and, and John pulled the plug for that. Rightly so. I, I think he did the right thing. Yeah. Well, the counter leagues become great. Um... I think everyone mostly as when you, when you talk about Kenner league lore, I think everyone kind of yeah. talks about Iverson. Um, oh yeah. yeah. Well, the Iverson thing, you know, that, that, that weekend, in fact, you know, when, when I used to drive down uh, to DC, I used to pass Eddie Saw's house because he had a house right there in Bethesda right before the DC line. And okay. I remember, I remember talking to him right before, because, you know, Eddie ran the, 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 it, it was kind of the Eddie Saw summer league, you know, and, and uh, when Iverson w- was there for that weekend, and I said to him, I said, are we going to see Iverson? And he kind of shook his head like, no, I don't know about anything. And, and, and Iverson's first basket, all he said was, Allen Iverson. And then that's when the place erupted, you know, because, you know, the, people had no idea even who he was. I don't even think most of the people could even recognize him because, you know, they kept it so quiet. But after his first basket, Allen Iverson. I think that was on a Thursday night, Bobby. And then they played again Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And that whole weekend, exponentially, it grew and grew and grew. And <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I think yeah. I, I think you know, obviously, you've been there. And one of the things you know, everyone likes to talk about the Kenner hot dogs, but they also yeah. over and over again, the PA system isn't very good in there. But they will always, you know, remind people. No pictures, no, no videos. Pictures, yeah. No, you no, know. no photography. Right, right. Right. But I think I'm not sure if it's still up on YouTube, but at one point I know I've definitely watched highlights from that first weekend where Iverson played. And it looks like both sets of the of the um or I'm sorry, both both sides of the stands were actually down because they knew there would be such demand. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure the uh the concession stand made a fortune on those four days. They probably could retire. For the money they made, you know, it was interesting. <laughs> that yeah, that's... I mean, it, it was it was a fabulous weekend, you know. I mean, obviously, uh, just just to see Iverson being showcased, and you know, Bobby. Then, you know, we didn't have the internet the way it is now, but just the word of mouth to get that thing out the way it was to get the crowds. And don't forget, you're talking, you know, ninety five, ninety six years, right? So you're you're talking, you know, twenty thirty years ago, and and basically yeah. they they were able to get the crowds to come. So, so the word of mouth must have been tremendous in the other underground in D.C. to get that many people out there. No, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah. Some other highlights for me, because I really got into it, I want to say, right about the time JT3 came on. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of when I... The 2004 when, season, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of when Kenner Lee, because at, at that point I just sort of become my a season ticket holder on my own previously you know i'd been in college and then growing up uh friends one of, one of my uh, best friends his family had tickets so this was me kind of getting involved mm-hmm. for me there's a couple things that stand out and it was there was there was a weekend where and this used to happen more often where you never really knew who was going to come back as far as the pros mm-hmm. and uh kevin durant played in a game and his team lost. If you can just even picture that, Kevin Durant is on Kenner League team. They lose. Okay, 
I have no idea who else was in that game. He went in the back and, you know, basically it's like a youth league where, you know, there's like eight or 10 teams and everyone has a different color, but all the uniforms look exactly the same except for the color. And so Mm -hmm. he was, you know, he was wearing red, he comes back out, he's in blue. And then he, he played three straight games Mm -hmm. in McDonough. It's, it's Mm -hmm. totally free. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I remember just, just being Florida, you know, at that time, uh, John Wall would play DeMarcus Cousins, yeah. Gilbert, oh, you know, sure. was playing. Um, yeah. do, you, do you have any sort of, I think also there was, you know, it was like, oh, you know, is, is Jeff Green, is, is Jeff Green gonna, gonna come back and play this weekend? Do you have any sort of, any other kind of memories of being pleasantly surprised? Cause usually me and you were sitting there trying to figure out, okay, which Georgetown players showing up on this game for this team. Oh, they switched the teams. that didn't tell us. Do you have any, any like memories of surprise appearances by uh, pros? Yeah, well, I, I think Duran is one that you talked about. I think a couple of the – Gilbert Arenas was another yeah. one. Uh, a couple of Maryland guys came, you know, that, uh, that, that, that really showcased, you know, some of the talents. Um, I'm trying to think of who else came. I, I think um, – you, you remember Isaiah Swan that used to play in Florida State? You know, the, the, the kid um, – He's a Kennedy played, legend. Played, yeah, he was a Kennedy legend. Yeah, he played like, you know, 15 years running. You know, he always knew that he would show up. Yeah, his name's like that. You know, Brian Mouton came back quite a few times. You know what I mean? It's uh, Yeah, but you never knew who, who would show up because they had, like, rotating rosters, Bobby. You, you never oh, yeah. knew who was on, on what teams. And so that, that's what partly made it exciting. And In fact, when, when McClung didn't play last year, I said they, you know, one of the games, everybody thought he was going to play and, and, and he didn't show up. I said they should have put a big sign on, on the beltway, 495, 395. <laughs> don't waste your time, you know, coming into the city, McClung's not playing, you know, it's like, as soon as they got the, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the, the information that he wasn't playing, they should have put a big sign up there. It would have saved people a trip into the city. You know? <laughs> yeah. And you know, you, you're, you're totally right. Usually you kind of look at the schedule and you say, okay, yeah. uh, you know, Washington associates is playing the tombs and I'm going to try and make that yeah. game. And then it's sort of up to, message boards and yep. twitter and yep. it just depends yep. if if you want to believe when someone says so and so isn't showing up you kind of have to okay is it worth it to my life if i get down there how upset am i going to be if a kinjo and mcclung yeah. don't show up right like yeah 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 <laughs> um, well that's right you know you you, you could have planned something else you know most people did you know the, the big uh, fans the big georgetown fans the ones you just set up in the back row they, they would come no matter whether there were games or not McClung right. or Kid Joe right. or not. But, you know, the, the people who would just came, you know, to, to look and, you know, join the bandwagon, if, if he didn't play, boy, as soon as the, uh, the first game started, they all left. You know, you could tell how, how people just flocked out of there real, real, real fast. Yeah. Another Kenner League staple is you sit there, you watch a good game, and you start to get nervous because you only see one team for the next game. And you need, you need right. two teams. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah, four and, or five guys, and yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. You'll sort of see them. You know, the clock will count down to zero. Then they'll yeah. put ten more minutes up there. Yeah, right. Then right, you right. can sort of see there's, you know, there's like negotiations being made between. Hey, can we get one of your players? Because if not, we're gonna have yeah. to forfeit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we used um, to always count out the count out the jerseys. You know, how many more greens do you need to? to make a team of five and then then they come out of the locker room you know three and four guys say oh they're good to go you know what <laughs> a five nine yeah go ahead 
I was gonna say, um, I have I have written down here, and he got hurt his freshman year, so you never know what would have happened. But and he ended up having a good career, very exciting player. I walked away from the first my first viewing of Aaron Bowen thinking we oh, yeah. had like an all biggies performer on our hands. Mm-hmm. Well, he was a high riser. I mean, you oh, remember, yeah. remember that dunk he had? I mean, he could, he could really sky. And, uh, you know, he played his senior year. He played quite well. Oh, I mean, yeah. He really helped them win some games. I mean, Aaron Bowen really, um, you know, he, he, his game escalated, especially, you know, just tremendous athleticism and jumping ability. I mean, he put on some, some shows and, and you know, dunking. Markel Starks after that um it was it wasn't even his last year it was mm-hmm. maybe his sophomore or his junior year he had a ridiculous behind the back tip in i think it was mm-hmm. i think it was his cuz he stayed 5 years i think he got a fifth year um yeah. mm-hmm. so i want to say it was his jun- his his actual third year he i think it was only two points he had but they beat a Louisville team i, I want to say it was top 5 and yeah. it was just the most it's like how do you even do something like that so yeah I know he played in the G League for a little bit. I'm not sure what he's still doing, but he was one of the guys where after like, you know, seeing him play basketball for, you know, 40 minutes of his life, I said, that's a guy, you know, there's big things coming from this kid. And I think he had shoulder surgery his, his uh, freshman year and never really, yeah. it took him a while to, uh, to uh, get yeah. going. Right. Um, so there's no counter league, but Patrick Ewing was on ESPN 980 today. And like mm-hmm. everyone else, He's, you know, they asked him, hey, what do you think? Are you guys going to have games? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? And he said, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't know. But he did mention, you know, it might just be something where it's conference games only. And I want to mm-hmm. ask you about this because mm-hmm. I think that would have made more sense like 20 years ago. But mm-hmm. if you talk about conference games only, I think if they get to that kind of situation, you know, mm-hmm. I think it might be something where conferences – have to sort of take a back seat for the year and it becomes really regionalized because you can't take a bus ride to Creighton. You can't take a bus ride to Marquette. No, no, no. In in fact, if you're looking conference games only, you know, one of the things, look look what baseball is doing. Look look what the NBA is doing. They're trying to keep people together in in kind of a bubble. Yeah. Why why do you think baseball is, is, is you're playing people in your division and close to home within reason? They don't want people traveling all over the country. Well, yeah. the Big East is so spread out, just like you talked about going to Omaha, Nebraska, going to uh, to Milwaukee. That that that's nowhere. Chicago. So, so what do you do? Yeah. What what do you? Yeah. What what do you do? Knock out a couple of the teams. I mean, how, how do you how do you do this? And and then, and then again, you know, it's it's going to be most interesting. I mean, and, I, uh, you know, going. It's. I think it might be something where you would have never probably pictured, but it might be something that if this if they have a season this year. And I'm not even mm-hmm. going to try and guess when it might start, but let's say at some mm-hmm. point it starts, it might be something where the athletic directors really have to make their money and come up with these crazy contingency plans with a lot of the local schools. So you might see a scenario where we're going back to Rich Vakin's beginning, where you play a lot of games in McDonough and you're going to mm-hmm. see teams like, like GW, like Maryland, like, you mm-hmm. know, American, uh, maybe throw in George Mason. Now they're in a much different spot than they were in the, in the mid seventies. But I think, mm-hmm. I think if you talk about regionalized games, you know, cause if you look at Maryland, well, there's not many, there's not many bus trips for Maryland within their conference. You're talking Rutgers, no. you're talking Penn yeah. state. That's it. Everything you else know? you have to fly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, 
you know, I, you know, Ewing said I'll said a bunch of things, obviously, but I, I want to just bring up that comment because I think it's going to be. I don't think they can stick to the conference unless they just break the conference into in, into little bits, which is what they are doing for soccer. It sounds like. Hmm. Um, well, they, they 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 may regionalize it, Bobby. What what they may say is we'll have we'll have like two divisions. In other words, they could do this. They could have DePaul, Creighton, as as well as uh, Xavier, and maybe Marquette. In, yeah. in in one division where they, they may play twice and then come east once or I don't know how they would hybrid doing it but um I I don't think you're going to have the, the, this spread out conference I think you're negating the very thing you're trying to 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 kind of have safeguards from aren't you you know the the yeah. travel and everything else or you know well I'm not totally familiar with the Pac-12 mm-hmm. but I want to say like they all, they don't they go sort of on like weekend trips yes they do Thursday Saturday usually yeah. yeah. In other words, you know, much much like the way the Ivy League did it years ago, you, right. you would team up in pairs, right? In other words, Penn would team with Princeton and and Cornell and Columbia, how how they did it, and 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 Dartmouth would 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 then team with uh with Harvard. So you'd play one team on a Friday night and then play on a Saturday. So you would negate the travel during the week. It wouldn't affect your academics, and and that's how they did it. But you know that that was geographically it was perfect for them. You know, so so now now the Big East, how are you going to do it? Because it's so spread out. See, the Pac-10, sure, you, you could have Oregon, Oregon State, right? Yeah. UCLA, Southern Cal. You could have Washington, Washington State. I mean, it's perfect. And, and you know, but 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 in in, in the Big East, you it, it's a whole different ballgame. How about the SEC spread out all over the place? And, and how about West Virginia? What are they going to do if they have the the Big Twelve? Yeah, and that and that's why I think the absurdity of some of the conference realignment. I think, you know, look, we all want life to go back to normal. I absolutely do. I want everyone to be safe and all these things, but for this actual season, if if it gets, if it gets off the ground, I think they're going to have to get creative. And I think one of the positives down the line might be, you know, what in the hell are some of these conferences doing like conference USA, um, the, you know, Tomorrow, we're we're this is this is being reported on Tuesday night. Tomorrow's Wednesday, July first, and Connecticut comes back to the conference. Well, the conference they, the conference they were just in is really complicated, right? You go yeah. from you know uh, East Carolina to mm-hmm. uh, you know Tulsa's in that league. I mean, right. there's Houston. you know Houston, yeah, sure. you know. So yeah. some of these leagues might just be like, what in the world are we doing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was well, so spread out. Yeah, well, basically, Bobby years ago they 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 had to get teams, so now that that's why they just let Tulane everybody. The <laughs> East Carolina, they were all over the place, right? Yeah. And 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 now now they're realizing, okay, this is going to be a real problem. Uh, how yeah. how are they going to navigate all this? You know, if you're going to play conference play, what what is the American Association going to do? You know, the the that's going to be one of the gonna, tougher jobs. Oh, oh yeah, exactly. How, how are they going to manage all that stuff? You know, now that Connecticut's out of there, but still you have Cincinnati traveling all over the place, you know, and in fact, um, you know, aren't they supposed to move their headquarters uh, to Fort Worth? Yeah. To, to move them out of Providence uh, to Fort Worth. So obviously they're saying that's going to be the mainstay of their, of their conference where years ago it was right there in the Northeast. Well, now with Connecticut out of there, they're, who who is in the Northeast? In that conference, you have a lot of Philadelphia schools, but you know that—that's it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, there's it's, a lot of problems, but I think 
I do think going back to Georgetown situation, and I know two podcasts ago we talked a lot about the ECAC, but I think you might see if the season happens and we're still in a position where the treatment's not great and there's no vaccine, I could see more this season being more like an ECAC season that happens in McDonough. Mm-hmm. Well, Which, if you want games and you want and you want some fan support, you're going to have to do that. People aren't going to travel, Bobby. You know, fan bases are not going to travel. You're not going to get any visitors traveling, are you? I mean, you, you know, the the, the one or two hundred no. tickets you 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 may, you may never see people use those again. It 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 would be most eerie, wouldn't it, to play those games? You know, the the, the pressure of the Big East and, and the great games that potentially they could have and not have any fans there. I mean, it, it's it's hard to imagine, isn't it? Well, you well, remember snowstorms, Bobby? There there were some snowstorms when you couldn't have any fans, but that was because of a snowstorm. But but this this is a pandemic. This is not a speaking, snowstorm. This is speaking of that. This this yeah. is uh this is usually a little bit of a Ben Standing sidetrack, but he's not here. But okay. I'll say this: How did you get to the ODU game on campus? I want to say that was the two thousand. Well, I, I I went Friday night. In, in fact, I'll tell you. You know, uh, Howard <laughs> Bernstein is, is is a good friend of the family, and, okay. and he used to always he used to always tell my kids. He said, if you want your father to broadcast the game tomorrow night at McDonough. Tell them to go tonight. And, and in other words, like go Friday night. Yeah, we, we stayed there on uh, on campus. We stayed at the Marriott, right there on campus. Okay. And and and, and just had a walk down the hill. And uh, yeah, we, we, we I would have never made it coming in on that Saturday night or Saturday afternoon. It was a blizzard. In fact, the ODU broadcaster. It's a great story. Okay. He took the train. Okay, he took the train from Norfolk that morning. Right. And got to Union Station, you know, like about half an hour after the game started, and or maybe half an hour before the game started. And he and he and he called over to to McDonough and said, uh, "Can anybody come meet him at Union Station and take him over to McDonough?" And I said, "No, there's no way anybody's going to do that." And 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 you know what was interesting? Um, so so they they basically picked up our broadcast. That's how that worked. They 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 picked up our broadcast into uh, into Norfolk at ODU. <laughs> it's amazing, what, isn't it? What channel are, are uh, do you know what channel they they were on? Um, well, I, I'm trying to think the one in Tidewater. Um, I know that there's like a a, there's like an FM there, there's a there's a FM Sports that has the uh, Norfolk Tides. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm trying I'm, I just don't remember which one it was. But, okay. Uh, they carried all the they carried all the ODU basketball games. Yeah. Uh, so do, do, you ever, do you remember the ODU game that they played at, at McDonough back in the seventies when Ronnie Valentine had thirty eight points? He and Wilson Washington. I've heard you about remember, that, you, but I'm yeah, not. Well, that, 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 that 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 was a that that was uh, I must have been seventy eight. Okay. And, and Georgetown was in the uh, was was in the NCAA and. Uh, and and it was kind of the ECAC. It was still the ECAC at that time. And basically, Ronnie Valentine, a freshman, just went off at 38 points, and uh, and ODU beat uh, beat Georgetown. That that was Eddie Webb was the coach. I think Paul that Webb, was Eddie Webb. I think that was Georgetown's last loss before they lost to them again in the 2007 season. That, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. crazy. That's right. um, yeah, yeah. So. The ODU that so that was the 2009 10 season, and 
I missed that game. That's one of the only games I've missed the home games, yeah. I'd say, mm-hmm. in the 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so here's what happened. It, so there, there, there was another blizzard that season against Villanova. Right, correct. And what I did yeah, for and- that game was in the, the middle of that night, it started snowing. Uh, my roommate and my dog, I, I said, look, here's how I'm going to get to the game. There's no way I'm going to get out of my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to drive my truck up to the the like about a mile away there's the closest um uh uh strip strip mall and mm-hmm. we went up there like like 12 o'clock one in the morning we drove my truck my roommate thought i was crazy um the game was at noon so we walked back in a snowstorm i got up at seven i walked to my truck i was able to get it out of there and i drove down it had no problem and it was an incredible villanova game oh yeah it's a great game and that was my solution. I said, look, I'm not going to miss two games this year because of blizzards. I'm going to find a way. And it it was also easier to get to because it wasn't on campus. Right. You know, right. that was kind you know, of the other hard part to the ODU game. You know, it was interesting that that weekend, you know, we again took the hotel. We, we stayed at the Hyatt downtown, you know, and, and uh, so we took the metro from the Hyatt. You know, it was only one stop to and we went through the administrative offices because then you'd have to drive your car. We, we kept our, um, I, I remember we, we had the uh, the family, um, br- the, the Blazer. So not the Blazer, <laughs> but the, uh, the, the Explorer. Okay? okay. So anyway, so, so to make a long story short, we spent Friday night there. The game was Saturday. We spent Saturday night. Sunday night, we couldn't get back home because of the blizzard anyway. And then, <laughs> and then Monday morning, we had, I think we had to go to Providence for a game on Tuesday. So I think I had to go out to Dulles Airport Monday af- Monday morning or Monday afternoon to play Providence on the road on Tuesday. You're right. It was Providence on a, on a Tuesday. Yeah, I think so. So we basically, and then we came back. So I was like not home for, for six days for, for, for one home game. <laughs> yeah. in, in fact, I remember I, I, when I got home, I couldn't get in my driveway. So I didn't even try. My wife said, don't even come home. You're not going to get in here. And I remember staying at the residence inn. Mex was able to drive me, you know, up to, you know, after the trip in, in Providence, drive me to the residence inn in, um, in Bethesda. And I stayed there. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, because I couldn't get home. <laughs> well, I, I and, then, and then, you know what? The, the next game on the schedule, since I have the schedule up, was at yeah. Rutgers on a, on a, valentine's day so you weren't home on mm-hmm. valentine's day either so them, them, right. them that's, that's, right. that's right you don't want to hear a great rutgers story you, you'll appreciate this well so, hopefully it's hope, hopefully it's better than whatever happened on that valentine's day because i was up there and it was not great yeah well I, i'll tell you it was um we played rutgers on a saturday afternoon at four o'clock okay okay so, so evan was working i think for the wizards at that time and you know do whatever he was doing doing some stats so PJ Carlissimo was the coach of the Brooklyn Nets, okay? And he and I grew up together. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go, you know, see PJ, and we're going to leave at 10 o'clock that night and drive up to, you know, Rutgers. I said, you know, there's going to be no traffic, you know, 10 o'clock at night. We should make it, you know, two and a half, three hours, whatever the deal was, okay? So yeah. the ga- the game's over at uh, at at, at uh, Cap Center, and um, you know, we went back and talked to PJ for a few minutes. And uh, he said, don't you have a game tomorrow? <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, when are you leaving? I said, after I'm done talking to you. And Bobby, we, we, you know, we left there about, you know, maybe, maybe 1030. 
and we got to the New Jersey Turnpike, and Bobby, it was snowing like you could not believe. And, <laughs> and luck, luckily, we made it up to um, the Embassy Suites in Piscataway. How we ever got down that last road to, to the Embassy Suites, I don't know. There, there must have been 10, 12 inches. And, and we were able to just get there. Then, and then that afternoon, the, the sun you know, came out and uh, melted some of the stuff. But it was, uh, it was touch and go. All, all because of, we, we wanted to see PJ. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. He said to me, he said, why, why don't you get going? I said, I came to see you. Yeah. <laughs> PJ, PJ Carlissimo. Um, so you talked about a couple episodes ago, the first station that you were on, you've been doing this for, is it 46 seasons? Yeah. There's 46. Yeah. I just finished the 46. Yeah. Do you have any idea how many stations you guys have been on? Yeah. I, I can tell you pretty much how many stations. We first started with WOOK in 74, okay? Then the 75-76 season, we were on WEAM, which is in Arlington, okay? And okay. then we were on, on, on what we would call the WOL, then I think came in 1977, okay? And that was then called the Tri-State Network. We, we, we got WINX in Rockville. We got W-O-L in D.C., and then we had W-P-R-W in Manassas, and we called it the Tri-State Network because, because it covered D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. The DMV? That, that we, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we called it the Tri-State Radio Network. There, there was Bob McKee was the uh, station manager of, of the station, W-P-R-W in Manassas, and we got Winks in Rockville and uh, in W-O-L. So we, we had the Tri-State Network because... You know, you could only hear the Georgetown games in D.C. on WOL. You couldn't hear them in Maryland, so we had to get a Maryland station, and then we got a Northern Virginia station. So, so we we covered the. I, I think that was the first network uh, that anybody had in the area, and that was back in probably '78, give or take '78, '79. So and then, then of course, well, the, when Ewing came '81, '82, that was my we next then, question. We, we, we went to WWDC. Yeah. So, as a kid, am I? I'll, you know, sometimes I look back and I, I think I have like a little towel somewhere that it talks about Georgetown's record at the Cap Center. And I want to mm-hmm. say it's a towel from DC 101. So were the, were the games ever on DC 101? Yeah, they were on DC 101. Yeah, that, that, that was DC that's, 101. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah so how long, were the games yeah. On, how long were the games on DC 101? I think they were on DC 101 until 1260 took it over, which was uh, 81, 82. When Ewing came, then we went to WWDC. So Ewing came and you guys run? WWDC, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. In fact, I still, have, I still have that banner. It was probably uh, probably a, a 15-foot banner that we used to take to the games and, you know, hang it up. You know, it took almost, almost half the press table that we used to hang it up on the road. It was an interesting banner. Yeah. So where did it go from from DC 101? Like, where did it? Well, it, 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 when Ewing came in 81, 82, it went to WWDC. Okay, so those are, those are two different things. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then when Ewing came, basically it was WWDC. It stayed that way until they sold it to Clear Channel uh, in, in 1999. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the, and, games and that, were, that, that, the games were on like 1260, is that right? 1260 AM, correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And and that stopped by string of 
of 17 years doing the entire Big East tournament on radio because I the remember that. just the new owners just couldn't justify giving you know having the, the full day slated to the Georgetown basketball. So did that, that anybody else? Me. Did any other school have anyone doing that? No, zero, absolutely not. But but you know, Bobby, the reason it started, there were only just six Big East teams to start, and okay. then then it started to grow, and and that's why. And and when it grow, you know, and when it started to grow, they 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 still wanted to do the games because the culture had already been established. No, 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 no other no other school that no, no Connecticut, you know. Now now in the ACC, they used to do it, you know, uh, because it was you know part of just the ACC culture. They used to do all the games, but but not the Big East. No, the the Big East. We were the only station that did it. Yeah, it was. There, there were some marathon days there, Bobby. Sometimes five games a day. Yeah. No, I can <laughs> I can definitely remember. Um, I can definitely remember listening to games. I want to say in the early '90s, and I feel like the whole tournament would 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 be on. Yeah, the whole thing started. We'd start at eleven o'clock in the morning with the pregame, and the first game might have been twelve, and we'd go till ten at light night, and and then and then you'd get out of there about eleven eleven thirty. And then we all went to Runyon's and had something to eat and talked about the tournament till three in the morning and then started the next day. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then after that, I feel like I, I want to say you've bounced around between 106.7 and whatever different 980, you know, the, you know, the yeah. team 980 and all, or yeah. I guess it was five, it was 570 at one point. Yes. Yeah. Well, they, they shared, it was 1260, 570, 980 because sometimes they were bumped, you know, either with Redskins or Maryland or something yeah. you know, because of programming. So you'd, you'd then go to the second tier station. So we, we were on 1260, you know, 9, 980, 570. And then we went to 1067. They also used 99.1. So yeah, we, yeah. We, 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 we've been around quite, quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, I was trying to, in my head, get it, get that sort of, you know, kind of map it out. Now, have you ever had a partner? I stopped having a partner in the 85 season. So yes. you had so a partner? I, I, I had a partner early on, 74 to 85. Yes. Started okay. 86. I did it solo all the way since. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So, so have... basically the 86 season, I, I was solo all the way. Yeah. Did you have, was there, was it just one guy or did, was there guys? No, one, one guy, one guy. Okay. In, so in it was fact, one guy. I, I had, yeah, one one guy, uh, and and basically, um, I also had George Raveling as a partner for five games. He's currently five and zero oh as a Georgetown uh, color commentator. Really? Yeah, we, we, yeah. We were out in the uh, in Sacramento. George broadcast a couple of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, he was the color commentator. Yeah, he's five and zero. Oh. George Raveling is five and zero. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Now maybe mm-hmm. I'm just maybe I'm just making this up, but I want to say yep. we've had conversations that. Did you at one point do TV with Billy Kilmer? I did. I you want to hear a great story about that game? I do uh, because it, I it, feel it, like I kind yeah. of half know it, but I'm I, well, I, I couldn't regurgitate I'll tell you the story. I'll tell you the story. This was uh, probably in the early 1980s, okay? And we did the game on the Christian Broadcast Network, okay? Well, just. Just real quick, Billy Kilmer, yeah. for those listening, he was a Redskins quarterback, but I want to say, he was he also on the UCLA basketball team? Yes, well, let, let me tell you the story about that. Okay. So, so here was the deal. So Coach Thompson called me in, and we said, we're going to do this game on the Christian Broadcast Network. 
And I said, wonderful. You know, Rich, you're going to do the TV play-by-play, and your color commentator is going to be Billy Kilmer. I said, wonderful. You know, I was a big Redskins fan. So, so Coach Thompson said, uh, said Billy, what, 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 um, what, what, what is your claim to fame in terms of basketball? He said, well, he played on the freshman team at UCLA. Okay. And, and, and of course, you know, Sonny Jorgensen and he and, and were best buddies. So they came to the game and, oh, it, it was really funny because, you know, Billy, you know how, what, what a jovial guy he is. And, you know, and, in fact, I, yeah, a big guy. Yeah. Real, real strong guy. And I, I said, Billy, what, what do you envision that, that the, uh, you know, that Georgetown will do with the opposition to said, you know, give it to the fullback and let him run through the line. Oh, he didn't <laughs> say that on the air, but he was kidding me, you know? Yeah. But it was interesting. It was called the Christian broadcast network. Yeah. And in fact, I'll tell you the funniest thing. I don't know what the regional audience was, but we had a game that same year, okay, in Logan, Utah, okay, in the NCAA. And I remember being in the men's room. This is a great story. In the men's room, and this guy came up to me and he said, I saw you the other night or, you know, early in the year on the Christian Broadcast Network. You did a great <laughs> job. And I said to myself, Good God. I mean, here we were, like in, in Logan, Utah, and this guy recognized me. Now, maybe because, you know, the Georgetown connection, but whatever. He said, yeah, I remember you did the game on the Christian Broadcast Network, and here was a guy in Utah. Isn't that amazing? Have you, have you ever been more surprised in your life? No. Well, no, 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 not at all. No, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> you know, I'll, t- I'll tell you another cute story. We were playing you know, in, uh, against Illinois. So I, I did the pregame show with the Illinois broadcast, you know, network, you know, talking about the big East, you know, talking about the game, but everything was else. this rich, so, rich, was this yeah. NCAA tournament, Illinois, was this Illinois a couple this years been, ago? No, th- 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 this was two years ago when we played okay. Illinois in Champaign, you know, okay. part of the big 10, you know, the, yeah. the big East challenge. The so anyway, game. so yeah, the Gavit game. So I, I'm, I'm the, the game that we beat them right before we went to Jamaica. So anyway, I'm doing this pregame show and about, you know, it was about a half hour. So then right, right, about 10 minutes before the game, I'm going into the men's room and I'm listening to this guy talking about Big East basketball. And I said, he has a pretty good idea about this whole Big East thing. And then I realized it was me being on the, on, on oh. the uh, you know, their, their pregame show, you know, they have <laughs> blasting in the bathroom, you know, much like they do at, uh, at uh, you know, Capital One. Yeah, it's interesting. So you're yeah. just like, wow, th- this guy really ha- really has his act together. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're talking about the Big East, you know, talking about, you know, because it really is the start of the season. You know, it was early November, and yeah. we we're just talking about, you know, the you know the upcoming Big East, and you know, it, it, I, I talked about the, the Big East and what it was going to be like. And so I listened to this guy, and I'm saying he has pretty good knowledge of what's going on. And then I realized that was me. Well, yeah, you ha- yeah. You, you had that right. Um, yeah. So I mentioned this before, Ben couldn't make it. We're all very yeah. sad about it, but he did have some good, some good, um, I won't say lightning round questions, but a couple of pretty yeah. good questions. Let's start here. Okay. And you've got more, you've got more in your, in your memory bank, in your, you have more in your memory bank than I do on this, but it's a hard, it's these, these are all very, very difficult questions and I'm not looking for exact answers. Like he had 28 points or blah, 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 but sort of the best individual performances in a game um, for the Hoyas. I'll tell you who immediately came to my mind first. If you want to think about it for a second, since I already knew the question for me, it's 
Michael Sweetney against Carmelo Anthony. I think his line was something like 31 points, 19 rebounds, seven assists, seven blocks. Now, Georgetown lost that game. They went on to the NIT final that year. But that, to me, is just like, it's an unbelievable stat. Um, yeah. Also, you've got the auto game in the carrier dome. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he had ha- more than half their points. Mm-hmm. And then it's only a half, but because of just, it's probably, I'd say it's probably the best half I've seen by anybody is that Austin Freeman against Connecticut. I want to say oh, yeah. he had 28 points in the second half. That's just unbelievable. And I'm not sure we're going to see that again. Um, no, so no, those, those I, I are, remember that. I remember that vividly. You know, how about Alonzo Mourning? I, I'm trying to remember whether it was a Big East tournament game where okay. he had 38. I thought that was another tremendous performance. Yeah. Yeah. And Sweetney again had, I thought Sweetney had like in the high 30s against um, against Notre Dame. You know, four overtime game. Correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but do you think, do you think Michael Sweetney doesn't get looked at the same way? Or I guess I'll say this. Do you think because his pro career didn't work out the way of what people expected from a Georgetown lottery pick big man that maybe we don't look at his college career as impressive as it was because it was really damn impressive. Yeah, and, and don't forget he only played three years. He didn't he never yeah. played his senior year. I mean he, oh. he could have broken all kinds of records. You you know you're right. If he plays if he plays his his senior year, well mm-hmm. first of all, Georgetown basketball might look different because right you know, Eshrick probably would have had a little bit more leeway because if Sweetney comes back for his senior year, I think that if they don't make the tournament, they clearly are a bubble team, right? Um, oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. that might have just changed the entire trajectory of yeah. who knows what would have happened. But he would have definitely, I'd say, if he doesn't get injured and Georgetown, let's say, plays, you know, two Big East tournament games, let's call it two games in the NIT or the NCAAs, I think Sweetney is the all-time leading scorer. Yeah, probably, probably would have been, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Well, he, okay. was, he was tremendous. And you couldn't stop him, Bobby. I mean, he no. got the ball inside, you know, and he got fouled. I mean, you know, he got mugged many, many, many games. I mean, two and three guys hanging on him, and he, and he still was able to finish. It was amazing. You know, he was a you know, big, strong guy. Yeah, I, I can only imagine if he played his senior year, his numbers would have been astronomical. Yeah, exactly. But I think you're right. Maybe by the fact that, you know, the teams didn't do as well and he didn't do as well in the pros, it could have tainted, you know, his legacy as opposed to, you know, the morning Matumbo Ewing kind of legacy. Yep. Yeah. I think he was just, I mean, he, if you got him the ball in the right spot, it's oh, either yeah. a bucket or it's a trip yeah. to the free throw line. Oh yeah. 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 He, he was, he was absolutely unstoppable. Yeah. There, there, there's no way. In fact, you know, they, they would, they would really triple team him down low in the block. And and he still wouldn't bustle it up. And if he didn't score, he got fouled. Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes free throws too. Sometimes they didn't call it. And I know that there's a yeah. famous Eshrick Grant after one of the games oh, where yeah. he said he oh, would yeah. he would pay for the officials to come yeah. and take the abuse <laughs> that uh, Michael right. was taking. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. I think that was the West Virginia game. I mean, he got he got he got mugged and oh yeah yeah yeah. That's well they they beat up on Sweetney. Yeah, and if the officials didn't call it, they continued to do it. Sure, that that was the good old days, boy. You, you talk about black and blue conference. I mean that that was that that was uh, you know Mug City there. Yes. Um, and then so the next question would be, and this is this is basically the other way: the best performance by an opposing player. And for me, 
you know what's one of the crazier performances that it's I think he played in the NBA for a little bit and it wasn't a particularly great team but during that run from you know let's call it 06 to 2015 Georgetown had a really good home record Mm -hmm. and there was a game against Providence at home where Mm -hmm. one player just kept them in the do you know who I'm talking about Marshawn what's his name Uh, Brooks yeah, Marshawn Brooks had fifty, didn't he? I, he? He if he didn't have fifty, it was it was definitely over forty. And yeah, th- yeah. like I said, this was at a time where Georgetown didn't lose home games. Um, hopefully, they will get back to that point at some you know at some yeah. period here. They will come to that again. But I remember it felt like in that game, if it was two minutes longer, he might have pulled off in a ridiculous upset. Um, yeah, yeah. That's one of the first ones that comes to mind. Also, mm-hmm. I know I mentioned it. Um, earlier, uh, JJ Redick when Georgetown beat number one Duke, JJ Redick yeah. had a pretty good, pretty good performance there. And yeah. obviously, there's the whole yeah. Steph Curry stuff, but you know, Steph Curry in that game, I know it gets remembered, I think, more because Curry is such a great pro. But you know, he shot five for 15 from three, which is you know, that's you know, 33 percent. Um, that I, I guess I kind of just remember that game differently. Do you have any sort of you know, all time performances? Well, I thought J.R. Ryder against Georgetown when he played for UNLV. Okay. When, when Georgetown went out there and played against Willie Massimino. I mean, Ryder had 40 that game. Yeah. He was just unstoppable. 6'5 guy. I mean, you know, just, I mean, a, a high riser. I mean, just, just electric. You know, a David Thompson kind of performance, you know, where uh, that, that's just the way he was. I think that was a great, you know, how, how about some of the games that, that Billy Owens, even though the numbers weren't tremendous, Billy Owens had some good games against Georgetown, you know, for Syracuse. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of who else. Obviously, what was the, uh, you know, what was the uh, Scott Skiles game? Well, Scott Skiles played for Michigan State in 86, the yeah. year after they, uh, and, 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 and they played, I want to say, in Dayton. And, and he just went off, you know, and uh, I, I can't say what he said at the end of the game. You know, it's an FCC <laughs> violation. But, uh, yeah, Scott Skiles went off. In fact, I think he was, you know, he had some kind of legal problem. And, and I guess the joke was if he didn't, if, if, if his team lost, he was going to jail or something. And luckily he won, so he was able to play on. And, but, oh, he just, he just torched Georgetown. Yeah, they were, it was a good Michigan State team under uh, Judd Heathcote. Sure. And for whatever reason, I don't know, I just have Providence on the mind right now. Mm-hmm. There was a game, I want to say, 99 2000 right around there where defensively john linehan i want to say he had nine or ten steals yeah right right exactly yeah mm-hmm. and yeah i know that's kind of a different type of you know it's not offensive but i just remember being like you know this kid is just unbelievable and i want to say jim calhoun had a great quote about him was that he was going to go to his graduation because he wanted to make mm-hmm. sure he never had to play him again <laughs> play him again yeah that's right just make sure he graduates. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just he make sure. Run, run, run for a year. Yeah, yeah. He wants to make and sure. Lam- he gets- Lam- was quick. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh sure. Um. Okay. And then, best best total game performance you've seen Georgetown put forward. Um. That's a pretty hard question. I wish I wish Ben was here to get. You know, if Ben's going to give me these questions, I think he needs to supply mm-hmm. what his answer. What what, what, his, what his mindset is? Well, obviously. You know the Kentucky game that, that yeah. you know the the, the the tremendous defensive pressure against you know potentially you know five guys who are one thousand point scorers 
You know, it, it's amazing how good they were. And in fact, I was watching a little special last night. They talked, you know, they had a special about on, on, on Eddie Sutton and, and you know, they talked about, you know, some of the Kentucky players like Skywalker. He was only a sophomore on the team with, with Master Beal, uh, Bowie and Turpin. And uh, oh, wow. they, they were tremendous. Oh yeah, they, they were loaded. I mean, you kidding me? And Georgetown to shut them down the way they did has to be one of the great defensive performances, not only of, of Georgetown, but of all time, Bobby. I mean, you take a look at Sam Bowie, right? You, you know how good he was, right? Mel yeah. Turpin wasn't half bad, okay? Dickie Beal was a great lead guard. Jimmy Master was the two guard. And then you had Sky Walker. And Sky was a sophomore, and those other guys, I believe, were seniors. But anyway, for Georgetown to completely shut them down, they were all 1,000-point scorers in their history. You know, Walker didn't make it till later on, but you had five guys who, who had that kind of talent. And for Georgetown to hold them the way they did was just tremendous. I, I'm sure I, that I, I think, yeah. I'm sure that there is a way to look this up. Do you happen to remember who was favored in that game? Uh, no, I don't remember who was favored. I, I, I one would have to say. Maybe Kentucky was favored. Yeah, that's know? kind of that's kind of the reason I ask because I mean obviously yeah. Georgetown had been to the final in '82. Yeah, yeah. But you know '83 didn't really go the way you kind of would hope. I mean, you can't make the yeah. final every year, and they did three out of four right. years. Yeah. But you know, just because it is Kentucky, and like you say, the roster Kentucky had. Oh I yeah. Wonder, I wonder if Kentucky was favored. Well, I'll tell you what; they had a lot of talent, that's for sure. Now, now they didn't negate Georgetown's talent. But but still, Kentucky was loaded. You know, again, you, you know, Georgetown had good talent too. I mean, they, they, let, let's face it. You know, oh, when, absolutely. When, I mean, yeah, they, they they were, and I think Michael Graham uh, was a big factor in that whole scenario there too. So that, that that was a great game, Bobby. That that was that that was just to look at. I was sitting behind the Kentucky bench, and just just to just to look on their faces of how Georgetown completely shut them down. It was just tremendous. I think if anybody, you know, talks about defense and wants to put on a uh, a tape of great defensive pressure, they should use that tape. Yeah, and I I wish that game would get played more often. In yeah, that, yeah. not not just more often. I mean, just ever. Just you know, if Madison could just pick it up, and we're in a period here where there's no sports. I think right. instead of watching, you know. You mentioned it before. The 82 game, that's a really good Georgetown performance. They just, they you know, they lose a heartbreaker, right? Um, yeah, yeah. The, the 85 game, obviously another heartbreaking situation. It would be nice if there could be, because Georgetown won most of the games in those periods, but their most famous games, unfortunately for the program, are those, you know, the historic upset and the Jordan shot. So I think... Yeah. I think it would be nice for people because I know we've talked about this before. I'm sure we'll talk about it again, but that 84 Kentucky game, it would be nice if that could get on TV somehow in some sort of, Oh yeah. You know? And just, yeah. I, I think it was on once or twice over okay. the course of time, but it was really, yeah, it, it was, it just, just, it, it was a great, great period of Georgetown basketball because they would have not won the national championship had they not got, gotten by Kentucky. Right. You know, people realize you had to be, you know, you had to be Houston. But if you didn't get by Kentucky, there is no Houston. You know, so it's a, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, um, I had, I had Chris Wright and Austin Freeman on. Yeah. Uh, last week, which was pretty cool. I mean, if you think about it, look, I'm talking to Rich Vodkin. Okay, so we got Kente Corner, 
which is becoming, you know, for the last year, it's been a really regular Georgetown podcast. Chris Wright and Austin Freeman are doing their thing. You've got Gene Smith and Trey Dickerson. So right now you've got, and you know, if I'm forgetting anybody, I'm sorry. You've got three consistent Georgetown based podcasts, which is pretty cool. And I talked to them about this, about the games and this and that. And when you talk about actual best performance, if you want to talk about the era that they kind of played in, there's two games that do stick out for me is that Duke game of 2010, the Obama game. I want to say Georgetown shot 70% from the field. Yes. You know, and Austin talked about that. He missed a layup late. He said it was a left-handed layup, but he said he was, you know, wide open. He I think he said he was naked, which means, you know, you're, you're wide open. Um, he said yeah. that if he, if he had made that, it was going to set some sort of, I don't know if it was a school record or a Big East record, or there was some sort of record that he was, you know, joking about. If he hadn't blown a layup, they they would have had it. But they shot seventy percent. And the year before, even though the season, you know, sort of fell apart at some point, what they did to Maryland in the Old Spice Classic was a hell of a oh, yeah. performance. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it seventy-one to forty-nine or seventy-three yeah. to forty-nine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That 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 was an amazing game. Yeah, and, and they, they they just burned. Maryland that nice. Yeah. Yeah. Rich, it was oh, yeah. it was seventy five to forty eight. Was that it was seventy five forty eight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I know the question is the best performance, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a season that ended in the final four, which that season did not, but I remember watching that game and it was on the NFL Sunday. So mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't get as much buzz as it might have if it happened, you mm-hmm. know. Like those Duke games always happened in the middle of the conference season. Once I mean, right, right. Over. You know, Saturday afternoon with you know national television. Yeah. Yeah. So that 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 game kind of gets forgotten. It's you know the third place game down in mm. what was that the the uh, Old Spice? But that to me, yeah, when you Orlando. Talk about, yeah, yeah. You talk about a performance. I mean, that was just. Mm. I mean, that was a performance. Um, last but not least, from our friend Ben, and this one is. I don't know if I don't. I don't know what my answer to this one is yet. Uh, the the best college opponent, you know, in a Georgetown game that maybe didn't have the NBA career you thought he was destined mm-hmm. to have. So basically a college mm-hmm. star that didn't really live up to the billing in the NBA. Yeah. How about Billy Owens of Syracuse? Maybe didn't have the greatest NBA career. Yeah. You know, he did have a career. You know, he, he had tremendous games against Georgetown. Um, Jerry McNamara, you know, had some good games against Georgetown. Uh, obviously, Ray Allen did well in the pros. I'm just trying to think of who else. You know, Bobby, not, not too many teams went off on Georgetown. You know, not not too many teams, yeah. you know, in the Big East got, you know, 25, 30, 35 points. You, 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 you didn't see that much. You know, it, it was, uh, if, if one did that, it was a rarity. And, and that's why this question is so difficult, you know, because not, not too many guys did a, did a whole lot of things against Georgetown. You, you know, you know who who I think I think at one point, I think that the buzz around Felipe Lopez mm-hmm. was at I want to say was at the LeBron level, like when he, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I feel oh yeah, there was when a, he first came. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, but I he never say, really, he never really he never really torched Georgetown, Bobby. In, yeah. in the games, I mean, he he never really scored big numbers against them. Not, not, no, he, yeah, Lopez and, and Zenden Hamilton, you know, they, they were the two guys out of, out of New York that they thought were going to take St. John's, you know, to the promised land and really never did. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Georgetown was able to shut them down completely. Yeah, I don't want to just you know make this a Syracuse podcast as as we're leaving. Uh, growing up, I remember Lawrence Moden. I think Lawrence Moden might have retired as the all-time leading scorer in the Big East. Yes, he did. And right. he was right. also a local kid, which I know local recruiting is something we always like talking about. He ended up playing for mm-hmm. the bad guys. But, um, you know, him and the late, the late Pearl Washington, I feel oh, yeah. like, was just when the Big East was going, and you could speak to this more than me, he was one of the stars, right? I mean, you know, he's oh, – he Oh, clearly. Oh, yeah, Pearl Washington was, was tremendous. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, 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 Bobby, I don't think those, those years will ever be replicated. You know, I think, well, obviously the great kids are leaving early, you know, right. the one and done, the two and done. That's pretty much but, but the, the hardest part. Is, yeah, that, that, that's the thing. But Pearl Washington, those great Syracuse teams, Georgetown, the Villanova teams. Oh, yeah, that, that, you're not going to see that again. And, and just people just going too early. You can't really build up the rivalry if you only play one no. season. That's right. Two. That's right. That's, that's right. Yeah, but, but the, the, those years, I think of the heyday of the Big East. Back in those mid-80 years, you know, when, when the conference first started, you know, you had the Dura and the Sheltons and, and Louie and Bowie of Syracuse and all that stuff. And, and then, you know, the Villanova teams in the mid-80s, along with Georgetown, St. John's, had some great teams, you know, Malik Seeley and all those guys that, you know, they, yeah. they, had, some, they, they had some great players. And, but but the, the thing is, the Pearl-Washington Georgetown games were tremendous. I mean, the, 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 those, were, the, those were wars. You know, you'd salivate going to those games. Yeah, especially what we used to play Syracuse sometimes, the last game of the regular season on either a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. You know, that, that could be for the, yeah, it could, could be for the, you know, the conference title, you know, the regular season title, and it was just tremendous games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the good old days, Bobby. Well, let's hope, let's hope they come back in some form. Well, I guess – Walter Berry, I'm, I'm just trying to think of all the guys you're talking about. I feel like he maybe didn't have the NBA career, right, that you kind of thought. Right. That people thought. And, and and don't forget, Georgetown beat Berry, what, three times that year? Yeah. And, uh, right, especially, you know, in, in the Final Four, beat, beat him in the Big East Championship game. And I think they split during that year, but but Georgetown beat him the the other three games. You know, they, they I think they lost the first game. In, in Landover, beat them in New York, and then beat them in the Big East Tournament Championship, and then beat them again in the Final Four. Yeah, Barry and uh, uh, what was Mike Moses, the point guard, and uh, Mullen. Yeah, they, 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 had, they had some good, yeah, Chris Mullen, yeah, of course. So they, they had some pretty, pretty darn good tapes, didn't they? Yeah, it's, re- and it's really and unbelievable. Louis Karn, second. Yeah. So instead of ending this with us talking about the yeah. other teams, at what point did your iconic Hoyas win kind of stick as the signature? Like, was that, you know, first game against Uppsala? <laughs> or, like, how long did it take for that to become all of a sudden you've got, you know, it's making it on Sports Center? You've got, uh, what's the guy, what's the local <laughs> guy now that does the Scott Van Pelt? You know, he'll, he'll, you know, every once in a while put your, you know, the audio on. Yeah highlights when when did that become and did you have a catchphrase before that was it was there something else no i i, I think I, I think it came probably around the mid uh mid 90s okay after some you know some signature hoya wins i don't think it was in in the 70s and 80s you know yeah. a lot of those games they didn't come down to the wire you know georgetown <laughs> was so good that that you know the game was in doubt there was no need to get you know too excited at the end of a game 
you know, in, in, in the in the two thousands when the game sometimes went down to the wire or a last second shot and, and or a great stop at the end and Hoyas win, Hoyas win. It was the emotion of the time. You know, when you're up and winning a game by fifteen points, what what's the purpose of saying Hoyas win, Hoyas win, Hoyas win? I mean, people know they win, right? When yeah. at the end of a game when it gets right down to the you know, like the Russ Hodges, you know, the 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 call of the home run, you know, Bobby Thompson. You know, home run. It, it's those kinds of moments, Bobby, that you get in with the emotion. And that's why this thing all started. The Hoyas win. You know, I, I would never say it if, if you're up by 30 points. There, there's no reason, right? <laughs> well, maybe maybe at this point, once they get back to that point, it'll be such yeah, a habit right. that you're going to end up doing that. I want to, I, I don't know if it's still up there. And I'm not even, shoot, maybe you haven't even seen it. I want to say Evan... I think I think Evan put up a great video. I want to say it was when DSR beat uh, Florida in the Bahamas. Oh yeah, 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 the Bahamas in Atlantis. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I always think win, win. Yeah, I yeah. think Evan has you on video doing. It. I want to say you're wearing like some sort of pink polo. That's right. I was I was wearing my pink polo. That's right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Dick 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 Weiss was sitting, you know, two seats away, and Mex was there. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember it vividly. That was a great win. <laughs> Yeah, and they was. lost to Wisconsin the next game. Yeah, yeah, remember that. The Wisconsin game yeah, was the, back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was Wisconsin, was and then I think, and then I think they lost to Butler in the third game in that tournament. Yeah, they did, which was weird because Butler had just joined the conference, but I know yeah. they tried to keep them on opposite sides of the bracket, where they would only play if they both yeah. did the same exact thing on the yeah. first two days. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So we'll have to see what happens in the future, Bobby, with this pandemic. It'll be most interesting. Wanted to see how this all shakes down. Well, it's going to be interesting, and it's also going to be interesting because this podcast started last year during Kenner League. So I decided that the second season, I would start calling it season two once we got to Kenner League. Well, Kenner League is not going to happen, so I'm just going to have to start calling it season two, which means we're going to have to come up with other things to talk about other than, you know, hey, did you see what that freshman looked like? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Okay, Rich. Well, I want to thank you so much for all of your time. And, um, you know, we'll try and, you know, maybe next time we'll have to, we'll have to come up with questions and put, put Ben on the spot. What Ben on the spot. And, and one of these days we'll do the, uh, the trivia challenge and, and see where it goes from there, right? Oh, I'm going to have to start training for that. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you, you, you have a pretty good knowledge base, Bobby, but it'll be interesting. And I, I have some great, great trivia questions that I think would be, uh, most interesting for the fans to cool. see if they know. Okay. That's, that sounds awesome. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to Kente Corner. You can find us anywhere they have podcasts, including Google and Spotify and Apple. Um, Rich Fodkin was here again. He is at Hoyas Win on Twitter. Rich, thanks so much. Well, thank you, Bobby. Always a pleasure. All right. I'll Take see care. you. Okay. Okay. Good night. Good night. Good night.